Welcome to the Scottish Business Network podcast. Hello, welcome to episode 34. My name is Fraser Allen and I currently have the lurgy, but I also have the perfect pick-me-up. To mark the beginning of Rugby's Six Nations Championship, this podcast features Norman Jackson, drawing some of the parallels that he has spotted between the worlds of business and sport. And he's very well placed to do that. A chartered accountant who travelled the world working in the oil industry, he has gone on to help many SMEs with strategic planning and corporate finance, holding many non-exec director roles, including one for the past 11 years, with London Scottish Rugby Club. But perhaps Norman's greatest claim to fame is that he was once selected to play rugby, not for Scotland, which was his childhood dream, but for Liberia. I met Norman at the Maggie Centre at St Bart's Hospital in London. Norman Jackson, great to meet up with you. Um, you come from a, a farming background in East Lothian, not yes. far from where I stay myself. Yeah, yeah. Now, here we are down in London. You're, you're based in Richmond. You're a corporate financier. You've done a yeah, yeah. huge range of things in your career. You're also yeah. an unexecutive executive director of London Scottish. Yep. Highly relevant to what we're about to come on to later on. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. first of all, it'd be great if you filled in the gaps and told us about your, your journey from East Lothian and all the things you've done in right. between. Okay. Well, my mother, she was first of six children. She was a, a farmer's daughter. Uh, there was four daughters and two boys. And the two boys got the farms. <laughs> and the daughters were told to go and find oh, a husband char- somewhere. Charming, eh? Those were the so days. My, in fact, my father was a Geordie. He right. came up in the war All right. and met my mother. They got engaged and then he went to North Africa for four years. You know, they, they wrote to each other every week. You know, what, what a romance. Hmm? So I was actually brought up in Edinburgh and I went to school and university there. And my main aim in life, actually, at that stage, was to play rugby for Scotland. <laughs> what was your preferred position? <laughs> I was mainly, mainly a standoff, and actually... The most glamorous of roles. Well, I, 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 I was going to say, come on myself and Johnny Wilkinson, because he was afterwards. <laughs> but anyway, the second game out of school, I was playing first-class rugby for Emory Academicals. Uh, third game, we came down and played against Wasps, so I had to mark the current English pairing, Arthur Rossa. And for three years, I played a pretty good standard in Scotland, playing with and against internationals. And then I realised I wasn't going to make the grade. <laughs> so I realised I should focus on the thrills and excitement of chartered accountancy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that was that, and that was the accounting was something you had a natural flair for rather than a great burning no, desire no, to I do. I was quite good at maths, but right. I, I don't think I was really the greatest of chartered accountants <laughs> per, per se. But I did come down and qualify with Ernst & Young. And I played for London Scottish when I was down here for five years, and I played, in those days they had ten teams, and I played for the first, I wasn't a regular, but I played every position from scrum half through, through, through to full back. And then my first job after I got my chartered accountancy was actually with Scotch and Newcastle Breweries. And being a sports mad, this was finance director of a company that was building a golf course in the south of France. (laughs) (laughs) Landed on your feet there. And it actually turned out to be a great experience because it was entrepreneurial within the large organisation. 
and I had to go up to board meetings, the main board meetings of Scotch and Newcastle, and Peter Balfour, who was the chairman, he said, right, Norm, we've got half a million extra expenditure here, quarter of a million expenditure less than there, and I'd have to do all the projections. Mm -hmm. That took me about three days. Of course, this would <laughs> be about ten minutes on Excel these days. <laughs> but really, really good, good, good experience. Mm. And then I was very fortunate that I joined uh, Mobile Exxon right. and had seven years working abroad with them, uh, working in about 15 different countries. Wow. And through that, I had a season playing in Paris, British Rugby Club of Paris, had a season playing in Japan. We played down in Yokohama where they had the right. finals of, of mm -hmm. the World Cup. And in West Africa, I was actually selected for the national side of Liberia. Oh, wow, well, that's a claim to fame. <laughs> and I got Did injured. you play? Oh, oh I got really? injured. <laughs> but Fraser, it really annoyed me because my brother, my elder brother, had been crowing on about he was a rugby internationalist for that powerhouse Senegal. <laughs> <laughs> then on to New Zealand. And I played for the University of Wellington there. And through a Kiwi London Scottish friend of mine, he put me on a blind date. And I liked the girl so much, I stayed on for two years and married her. <laughs> and when we came back to London, I realised in my early 30s that I wasn't a, a big company man. Mm -hmm. And they were offering year redundancy. So I took that and chartered accountant. What do I do? Set up an accountancy practice in Richmond, Richmond and Surrey. And quickly got 100 clients, and then I realized I don't like doing accounts. <laughs> and what I really liked doing was kind of advising companies, the advising, mentoring, non-exec right. type of work. Yeah. And there was a friend of mine at our golf club in Richmond. He said, Norm, come on, do 50% of buying and selling companies and raising investors' monies with me. And then the other half, you can do the advisory work, non-exec chairman. And this is what I've done for the last 30 years, and I just love doing it, and I hope to do it for another 30 years as well. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And, and still involved with London Scottish, obviously, as an architect. Well, yes, when I came back mm. from abroad, I rejoined London Scottish, mm -hmm. and my son went through the minis and youth section mm -hmm. of London, London Scottish, and I, I was chairman of those sections, I was chairman of the Middlesex Rugby Clubs, 35 clubs in Middlesex, I chaired that. Mm -hmm. And then now I've been on the board for 11 years where we've helped to raise, well, I've helped to raise £7 million pounds from 160 investors to pay for better, better players and, and coaches. So I can honestly say that, you know, I've had a lifetime enjoyment mm. in the game of rugby and I, I couldn't have met as many likeable rogues. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it is a family, it's a support system. Yeah. And I feel very, very lucky to be uh, to contribute to such a great club. Yeah. And and so very well placed then to spot yeah. the parallels between sport and business. And I know yeah. this is something that you you've spoken to at, yeah, yeah. Uh, spoken about at events, yeah. and that's what we're going to get into now. So yeah, yeah. let's run through some of those yeah, key yeah. tips that you've got okay. for people. Well, I would say, and if there's one thing to come away from this podcast. And for me, it's so important. Some people say that business is very easy. All you have to do is have a plan, and then you execute it. Mm. And I think you and I know it's not as easy as that. And if you can get that right in business, then you're halfway to being, being a successful business. Mm. 
So the first examples I like to give in that uh, is first chap called Ben Ryan, and he was the English coach of the Fijian Sevens that won the Olympic gold in Rio in 2016. And he wrote this wonderful, wonderful book called Sevens Heaven. And a lot of sports books, as I'm sure you agree, can be a bit bland, but this is really a cracker, an absolute cracker. And his planning and execution was plan your work and work your plan. Plan your work and work your plan. And just give you three examples of what he did. He realized when he took over the Fijians that he had to get the best players in the site because a lot of the players were actually just related to government officials. <laughs> you know, that's how they got in the team. Right, right. And as you see in the television, Fijians, they're so natural athletes, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. They weren't fit enough. Right. So instead of going on long runs, he actually got them to sprint up and down sand dunes and, of course, really get that power right, right. in the thighs, which is so good. And the third was the fitness. I think up to there, most of their diet, uh, their, their diet is, is the third one, most of their diet seemed to have been McDonald's hamburgers, you know, particularly a Big Mac. You know. So he changed all that. And very quickly, they got very good. Right. So the three years running up to the, the Rio uh, Sevens, they won eight tournaments around the world. Right. So they're actually favourites for the gold medal. And Ben Ryan, he was expecting excellence, and he actually got perfection. Mm. Uh, wonderful on YouTube, it's there. It's the, probably the best display of sevens rugby ever. The power, mm -hmm. the speed, the dexterity. And they blew England away in the final. Seven tries to one, 43-7. And in the 60 years of the Olympics, this was the first, well, not only the first gold, well, gold medal that Fiji got, it was the first medal of any description. Right. So Ben had worked his plan, yeah. or planned his work and worked his plan. So right. is the parallel then with business that you need to take a step back from the business and look for the things that everyone's ignoring, putting, hiding under the carpet and change those key things? Uh, correct. And this actually leads me into my other example of my experience at London Scottish. Right. Because I've been on the board for 11 years, and for nine of those years, our chairman was Sir David Reid, the former chairman of Tesco in, in the good days. We also had on our board a chap called Norman Sanson, who was an international referee, and he also actually became managing director of McKinsey's, the consultants. I mean, they are the consultants mm -hmm. of all consultants. And even though we discuss planning many, many, many times, mm. What we always ended up with was basically five bullet points. You know, it wasn't a 30-page <laughs> business plan, but we did change them regularly. We did mm -hmm. change those plans regularly. And when it came to execution, I worked with uh, Sir David very closely on the investor side. And I, in 100 board meetings, I don't remember him slamming the table mm -hmm. or swearing. He just said, come on, guys, we know what we're trying to do. It's execution, execution, execution. And when I was working with him, you know, one day you'd get a phone call, and then two days later it'd be a text, <laughs> and then it'd be an email two days later, just all the time, nudge, 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 right. to make, make sure right. you, you execute. Yeah. So 
full, full, full marks, full marks. Don't and and, and yeah. so, as you say, keeping it simple, don't yeah, waste yeah. your time having a overly complicated plan. Just keep it those, those yes. bullet points and then exactly. just do it. Exactly. The KISS principle: keep it simple, stupid. Mm-hmm. You know, it just that that that's business is, is a lot about, as, as, as you know. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. What do you have next? Well, next up is we've got networking. Mm-hmm. And, of course, this really ties in with the Scottish Business Network. <laughs> and I say to people, I remember when Henry Kissinger was Secretary of State for America. He used to come over to, to Europe and used to say, who do I phone on Europe? <laughs> and before the Scottish Business Network came on board, before Christine and Russell came on board, hmm. What does that Scots businessman? He wants to expand into London. He comes down to Trafalgar Square and looks around. Where, where do I go? So what those two have done for the Scottish Business Network is absolutely fantastic. And just to consolidate that thinking, I'll give you two examples. First from rugby, first not from rugby. The first is a chap called Tony O'Reilly, and he was one of the great Irish rugby players of all time, great, great winger. For 15 years, he actually played for Ireland. And after his rugby, he went across the pond, joined H.J. Hines, and became chief executive and, and chairman. And with his other business interests, oil and gas and newspapers, he became the first Irish billionaire. And he used to say that rugby is like a beneficial Freemasonry. A beneficial Freemasonry. Because if, if you're in rugby, you know, mm. and I can help you, I will, I've only met you straight away, mm. I, I, will, I will certainly help you. Mm. And I think that being in business is the same type of thing, isn't it? And certainly Scottish yeah. Business Network got this kind of family mm. thing about it. You know, if you're in the SBN, if you're in rugby, if you're in business, let, let's all help, help, help each other. Mm. And the other person who reinforces this, it's not, not really rugby related, there's a chap called Sir Ronald Cohen, and he's often acknowledged as being the, 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 the forefather of the British venture capital industry. And he co-founded a company called Apex, and over 30 years they became the largest, or one of the largest, private equity companies in the, in the world. And he's got this wonderful book called The Second Bounce of the Ball, because he knew how to in- invest in businesses. Hmm. And the reason he calls it second bounce of the ball, with a company you might see in six months or a year how that company is going to do. But if it's any longer than that, which is the second bounce of the ball, the third bounce of the ball, we just don't know. So he's taken a bit of a gamble. Hmm? But in his book, he concluded that the majority of the chief executives that he had invested in had one common trait, hmm? and that was networking. But not just any old networking, Mm -hmm. it was the size and appropriateness Mm -hmm. of your networking. Mm -hmm. And he gave one lovely story where he used to fly from London out to California just for a two-hour meeting. He came back, and about a week later, this guy in the States phoned him up and said, Ronald, excuse my American (laughs) accent, (laughs) (laughs) Ronald, you know you're looking for someone to head up your New York office? We've got the right guy for you. And six months later, that guy was in place, and he was the in- integral in the whole success of Apex right. over the next 20, 25 years. So again, that, the importance of networking in mm-hmm. business. And I've got one client who doesn't network, and he's still very successful. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying it's for everybody, 
But in the main, good networking, the size and appropriateness of your networking mm. is very, very important. Yeah. Sell the voice. Yeah. Uh, the next tip I've got, Fraser, is changing your plan. And you've probably heard of Albert Einstein used to say the definition of insanity <laughs> was to do try the same, same thing again and again and expect the same results. Yeah, I do that all the time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and the example I like to give is a chap called Simon Amon. He's actually the manager of the England Seven Side and has been for the last six years. Uh, for five years prior to that, he was actually with us at London Scottish. He was three years as a player and two as, as a coach. I remember about eight or nine years ago, we were up at Nottingham, and in those days we were partly amateur and partly professional, and we got duffed 55-5. <laughs> and I remember being up there and speaking to Simon, and he was absolutely distraught. And over the weekend, he kind of thought about it, and he came to the board, we had a board meeting actually following Tuesday, I think, and he came to the board and said, look, we can train, we can't train much harder, you know. We've really actually got to go fully professional. And he actually convinced the board to find a bit more money, and the winning percentages went from 35% up to 55%. And I think in business, because you've got weekly feedback on, on weekly mm. games, you can change quite quickly. Mm. But I'm sure you've got a lot of clients as well been doing the same thing for months and years. Sure. They don't change because mm. there's not an incident which makes them do it. Mm. But be able to change the plan is right. so, so, right. so important. To reinforce that, I've got this lovely quote from Winston Churchill. Because you remember he said, never give in, never give in, never, 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 never. <laughs> in reasons large and small, blah, blah, blah. And a lot of people just think of that quotation. Perseverance, stickability, mm -hmm. you know, just hang in there, whatever happens, you know. But he actually finished off the quotation by saying, except for reasons of common sense. <laughs> right, okay. And in business, that's so true. Something yeah. so obvious. There's no sometimes. point banging your head on a, exactly. on a wall. Sometimes exactly. you've got to change things, yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Next tip I've got for you is the five core values of rugby union. And you've probably seen that lovely statue yeah. outside Twickenham Stadium. And it has a very much a Scottish factor to this, because the sculpture was a chap called Gerald Lang, and he lived up on the Black Isle, right. north, north, yeah. north of Inverness. His son, Farker, casts the, the bronze, doesn't he? That, that's right. Well, interviewed him. And Brenda Roberts and myself, we met him one day right. uh, down at London Scottish. Mm -hmm. And he told us all about this. Mm -hmm. And he told us the story because Gerald Lang, he actually did the sculpting. Then they poured all the iron ore in, in, in the foundry. And then they put it in a lorry and drove it the 600 miles down to Twickenham. And because it was such an unusual size, it was stopped three times by the police. <laughs> so you can imagine them taking the tarpaulin up, saying, what, what's up this, you know? And for your listeners, if you haven't seen this wonderful statue, it's a statue of five rugby players jumping in a line out. And there's a ball right at the top, and you don't know which player's actually going to catch this. Hmm. And the reason why there are five players there, because it is the five core values of rugby union. And that's teamwork, respect, enjoyment, discipline, and sportsmanship. And I don't know if you, next time you go there, Fraser, if you mm -hmm. actually look in the pavement, 
they will have those two times, they will actually engrave those words hmm, yeah. into them. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for any business to take on board hmm, those five uh, core values, hmm, they'll do good. Yes. I think teamwork is, is pro probably probably the, the, the best one. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. Yeah. I remember... On so talking team, of the amazing yeah, teamwork, yeah. Were, yeah. were you Twickenham earlier in the year for the extraordinary England-Scotland match? The 38 all. Yes. I was there indeed. <laughs> <laughs> I was there indeed. I'm sure we could draw a few parallels from that game in some bizarre sense. Well, I suppose Certainly you never give up at well, half-time. Never, never give up, but they changed the plan, really, I suppose, mm. and they just came so expansive. Mm. And... Uh, Perhaps England probably just got too cocky, yes. I suppose, as well. So they, they, they learned a lot yeah. from, from that as well. Yeah. Tip number five. Tip number five. Well, I'll give you five. I'll take this one and we'll, we'll give the last word to the referees. Right. Because they usually do. <laughs> and the two examples I like to give here is Nigel Owens, uh, the Welsh referee, and regarded as one of the best referees in the world. He's refereed more test matches than anyone else. I think it's about 100, 176. Mm. And 2007, he actually came out as being gay. Mm. And two years previously, he actually tried to take his own life. He just couldn't come to terms with, with his sexuality. And he hadn't even told his parents. Mm. But after that incident, when he recovered, mm. Mm he realised that he just had to be himself. Hmm? And he's the most respected referee in the world today, even though he's getting... Mm -hmm. And there's a lovely... He's, also, he's known for his one-liners. And there's a one... It's on YouTube. And there's this wonderful clip where the hooker was throwing the ball into the line-out. Hmm? And as you know, the ball should go between the two sides. But the hooker, it must have slipped out of his hand. It just went so far to the right. And everyone didn't know what to say. And then Aguilone says, that's as bent as I am. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think that honesty hmm, in being, being yourself. Hmm, yeah, yeah. I'm the best person hmm, of being Norman Jackson. Hmm. You're, you're the best thing for being Fraser. You know, no one else can be better than you. And I think a lot of time people in business try and... There's no... You, you can actually bring traits or things that other people do into yourself, mm. but you've got to be yourself all the time and true to yourself. Mm. Uh, I think that, that, that's so important. Mm. And that sort of leads into the second refereeing one, because Wayne Barnes, the English referee, he's refereed more premiership matches mm. than, than anyone else. Mm. And it seems as though he's been around for ages and ages, but he's still only 40. <laughs> <laughs> he's done, he's done four, four World Cups, yeah. and he's actually a barrister as well. Right. Uh, he's a full-time barrister. And he's spoken at a few London Scottish events. Lovely, lovely, lovely guy. And he was saying that in his kit bag, he actually take, keeps this piece of paper which says, hmm, you're not here to be popular. You're not here to be popular. Because he says, if you give popular decisions, then it would always be the best one. You've got to give honest decisions, and then the players will respect you for being honest. And I think in business, there's so many times that people say, yes, 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 I agree, agree, agree. But actually, if they were being themselves, being honest, they might actually challenge. Five great tips there. Yeah, yeah. But I know, because I've been looking at your notes, that you might have a couple more up your sleeve there. So let's, let's hear what those are as well. I've got a couple more for you here. 
And I did say that St Ben Ryan, Seven's Heaven, was one of the best sports books I've read. And, and another, just equally good, is this wonderful book from a chap called James Kerr, New Zealander. I think he actually pronounced his name Carr, but it is spelled K-E-R-R. And it's called Legacy, What the All Blacks Can Teach You About Business and, and Life. And they have about 14 headings. And just three of those headings, better people make better All Blacks. And All Blacks, they will go out into the community. They will do a lot of that mm. so they can really understand who they're representing when they get onto the field. Champions Do Extra is a, a second tip from there. And if you read about many, many sports people, you realise that they will all admit, they will say that they just had average ability, but it was just kind of working that extra mile. Mm. And as they say, there's no spectators on the extra mile, <laughs> it's yourself. You know? <laughs> And it's so important is to really work on that. An example I'll give it London Scottish, Mike, Mike Bigger, 24 caps for Scotland, uh, four as captain. And it took him four years to get his blue at Cambridge University. But even in the amateur days when I played with him, he was almost like, like, like a professional. His cousin Alistair Bigger had only about, I think about eight caps. But Alistair was so talented, but he trained on gin and tonics and long lunches. <laughs> but that application from Mike had got him so many more, right. so many more, more, more caps. And the third thing, going back to the All Blacks, the lovely book, uh, Legacy, is when the All Blacks have finished their game of, of rugby and they all go back into the changing room, they have a debrief, and then the senior players will actually wipe up the, the oh, pavilion, yeah. the sweep the, sweep the shed. Mm. And the idea is no one looks after the All Blacks. Mm. All Blacks look after themselves. Mm. Oh. And taking responsibility, I think whatever position you are in mm. business, mm. Is, is so important. Mm. You know, I'm not just relying on you to do something. I will go right. and actually right. do it. Okay. But I do really recommend that book, Legacy, what the All Blacks can teach you about business. Mm. Then, the other tip I've got here is we have to go to Bill McLaren, the voice oh, of rugby. Oh, we're going to include the voice of rugby. And for 40 years, he was the BBC rugby correspondent. Mm. And, of course, everyone thought that what he came up, his lines and everything, he made it so easy, didn't it? Mm. But he has these commentator notes, and I don't know if you've ever seen them, but there are a whole lot kind of scribblings, different colours, up to a thousand facts just on that one sheet. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons his attention to detail. <coughs> and of course, he, by doing that, he came up with some wonderful lines. So, for instance, the phrase, if you just scored a wonderful try for Scotland, you say, oh, that Fraser guy, he's, he's a good player. <laughs> and then, because you live in Gifford at the moment, That's don't right. you, say, yeah. you say, and uh, they'll be dancing in the streets of Gifford tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he was so brutal, but it's the detail. Mm. And I think in mm. business, if you've got an entrepreneur who's not so detailed, he's got to have a partner or someone behind him to do the detail. Right. Because that can really unstitch you if you mm. don't get the detail right, the contracts and dealing with legislation, red tape, and, and, and all, all, all the rest. So I think that's another couple of tips tips for you. I mean, I could that's, go on for about two no, hours, Fraser. That is brilliant. I haven't started. Fantastic. So, a, I think there's a book in there. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that could be your next, next project. Norman Jackson, yeah. 
Thank you so much. Thanks. That's been okay. great fun. Thanks a lot, Fraser. Norman is a great character and so well-connected. We live 400 miles apart, but when I mentioned him to a neighbour at Christmas, he said, I know Norrie, and pointed to a picture of him on the wall from his rugby playing career. Then I was helping a local farmer decorating the village Christmas tree, and he said, so you know Norrie Jackson too? It's the London Scottish Mafia. Hope you enjoyed that episode, and we'll be back again soon. To find out more about the Scottish Business Network, simply visit sbn.scot.